My name is Hemish Alangaratne, and I'm the founder of RX Group and the host of Let's Talk Quality. Let's Talk Quality is a podcast aimed at quality assurance professionals in pharma and biotech. Join us to learn from some of the best QA leaders around the world and hear how they've developed their careers as they provide some practical insights into how they've got to the top of their field. Our mission is to shine a light on what good quality assurance really means for pharma and biotech. What impact does it really have on the patient? We want to explore some of the biggest challenges facing the sector and inspire the next generation of quality assurance leaders to continue to help bring safer and better quality therapies to patients. Welcome to season one. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, Kimberly. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Hamish? I'm doing very well, thank you. Thanks for for joining. Welcome to the show. Um, oh, thank you. We're going to talk about uh, contracting and, and the world of um, contracting, um, and in particular about building a client base and building your network, and um, and hopefully some good practical advice for other people that are going through um, the journey. Um, I think. You know, this year in particular, uh, or you know, twenty twenty three has been a big year for for people going into contracting for the first time or going back into contracting, largely due to the uh, market conditions. So, um, for, I thought it'd be good to hear from someone who's been in the the consulting world for for some time. So, um, before we get into it, do you want to give the listeners a overview of who you are and what you do? Sure. So uh, I'm Kimberly Walbank. I am the managing owner, principal consultant of Quality System Services. I've been in business for a little over 13 years now. And what I pretty much do is help companies, particularly pharma and med device companies, with their quality system issues. So um, whether it's a startup that is uh, creating their quality system for the first time, or a larger firm who is dealing with some FDA issues or a new regulation that came out and they're trying to see how it fits in with their business model. Excellent. Fine. Um, and how have you found, like, just before we get into it as well, like, how have you found personally the, 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 the market of 2023 and how has it been for the, for the con- consulting, um, for the contractors uh, this year? Very slow. Very, very slow. Uh, and it seems like most of the consulting is coming on the uh, computer system validation side this year, which uh, I have some expertise, but it's not the, there, there's many more firms out there who far exceed my expertise in computer system validation, but it's yeah. been very slow. Unlike 2022, where uh, I didn't have enough hours in my days to fill up what my clients needed. So it yeah. tends to be when you're consulting, contracting, is that's exactly what the market does, is you have these big highs, and then you have these lows of where you have no work. So the key is to kind of manage your workload, manage uh, and enjoy your low times where that's the great times to take that long vacation, take the time to see the family. Yeah. Yeah, that's good advice. Why um why did you get into contracting then in, in the first place? Uh I did it after working as the uh a QA RA manager and I was technically the head uh head of quality for a very small med device division uh, of a larger company 
And it just wasn't a right fit for me. Um, the work was interesting, uh, but it just wasn't working out. Uh, so I decided to leave. And while looking for my next role, um, some consultants who had actually done work for me uh, had this huge project they were working on. It was an FDA consent decree project and they needed some help. And my goal was to eventually become a consultant in my 40s. Uh, but this time I was in my early to mid 30s. And I said, well, let's at least try it, see if I like it. And I ended up loving it uh, because I do enjoy mentoring other people, uh, explaining my thought process, and just generally just giving that extra set of hands to help out. Yeah. And sorry, what, which, which year was that when you, when you first contracted? That was 2010, February, uh, September of 2010. I actually started like Labor Day of 2010. Okay. That's how I can remember it. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And so you've been going for about 13, 14 years now. Um, and, and how do you think the, the contracting world has changed then, um, in that time? Uh, it's changed quite a bit. Um, I think a lot because there's so many consultants and contractors entering the, um, the market to where um, it's kind of getting flooded. So the amount of work is tends to not be there at times, uh, particularly if you don't live in an area where there's a concentrated group of pharmaceutical and med device companies around. Uh, because obviously companies look at cost. So travel is a cost for them. So even though based on what you're charging, travel can be anywhere from additional 10 to 20%, uh, if they can find someone who has about the same skill set as you who's in their backyard, they're going to take that. So uh, fortunately, I'm just north of New York City. So I'm kind of nicely sandwiched between the New Jersey companies. There's some in uh, Northern Pennsylvania, and then there's a few popping up in Connecticut. So I at least have at least a good, nice little hub going on for me. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, 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 and in terms of the actual types of projects that you take on have they have you seen a sort of a change from over the years in terms of uh, i suppose what clients are asking for and the the volume of um people that they might need in, in one particular go you know i've remember over the years like around 2010 2011 lots of big mm-hmm. consent decree projects and, and remediation and, and things like that where Big companies would take bulk teams. Um, does that still happen? And 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 what's how is like how has that shifted? I'm not seeing that as much anymore. The big volume teams, like that first team I was on, uh, I was on a team of 15, but it was part of a larger team that had over 100 consultants because it mm. was a consent decree wow. project. Uh, yeah. Nowadays, I am on either a team of myself. Or I am subcontracting myself out to a team of maybe five to 10 people. And that's the whole project. Uh, Every so often, particularly overseas, you'll see a bigger project. Um, The good news about some of the overseas projects is because of the landscape after uh, post-COVID, a lot of those are remote. So that is helping us get some clients. Um, I've done some work over in India. And again, haven't been. But my clients, um, again, 
travel is a cost. So uh, having that technology available to do remote work uh, has been helpful to where they can get uh, U.S. help when it comes to FDA regulations. So that um, the types of projects I've seen uh, have been pretty much the same. The review give us feedback. Uh, Sometimes we have to certify uh, what they're seeing, meaning that we have to review it. They have to address our comments, and then we actually sign a certification saying it's okay. Those tend to be for warning letter consent decree projects. Uh, There have been some different projects for me lately, which have been very exciting, is working on CMC work. So getting these startups that little test, that dry run of what they're going to see from the FDA of, is my quality system working? Is my facility set up correctly? So those are very fun, very exciting um, little projects that, and I, and I don't mean them little as being insignificant, but little as they're maybe two to three weeks long, a team of maybe three people, but the the work is uh, very important, very intense, but it's, you know, it's a joy to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just on the remote working um, point, have you seen a shift since um since the pandemic from and in particular like the last year or so in terms of companies wanting to bring back people on site um are you seeing a you know because everything went remote for a for a while now mm-hmm. it's there's a bit of a bit of a balance and, and now you know a lot of companies are asking for for on-site roles or, or a combination of remote and on-site. How, how has that shifted, and have you have you seen that shift in particular the last couple of years? Uh, so even prior to the pandemic, I was doing quite a bit of remote work. I uh, may not again prior to COVID. It wasn't due to any sort of illness or whatever. A lot of these companies just didn't have the space. I mean, mm-hmm. I had I worked for one client where my desk moved daily and sometimes even hourly. So uh, it got to a point where, I mean, they were sending me things electronically anyway. So it was cheaper yeah. for them and for me to not do the drive to Jersey and cross the bridge and have all these tolls to stay at home and work two or three hours as opposed to paying me eight hours on site to spend most yeah. of my time trying to find a desk. Uh, then um, obviously the pandemic, it went almost all remote except for the projects where it was critical you had to be on site, meaning that uh, they were still very paper-based. It, the amount of work it would take them to scan it and send it to us, or the fact that you actually physically needed to see something on site. Right. Again, those are few and far between, but they existed. Uh, now we're seeing uh, still quite a bit of remote work, but also kind of a hybrid situation to where they want you at least on site for at least a week or two to get a feel for you and you to get a feel for them. And and then uh, go off and sit at your desk at home and and do the work. So um, it's kind of going back to where it was in 2019, where it's a little bit of both. Hmm. Interesting. So when it comes to, so for people that are either new to contracting or just starting out mm-hmm. um, or, or considering going into contracting in the in the next uh, year or next few years, what advice would you give them around 
building a network and finding contracts. Um, how did you, let's start with, I suppose, how you went about it when you first started and um, how you went about building that network? Well, my first group of projects were exclusively me subcontracting myself out to larger firms. That's the easiest right. way to do it, especially starting out, because there's a lot of uh, logistics, a lot of um, work behind the scenes and selling and marketing that need to happen. And it also kind of gives you an opportunity to meet other people. Sorry, yeah. and when you say subcontracting out, what do you, how do you just break that down for the audience? So what that means is that while I'm an individual consultant and okay. I have my own LLC, I sometimes subcontract myself out to larger consulting firms. So uh, what that means, because they have an office, they have people who actually go out and like recruit companies that need help. They do the selling, the marketing, they have the bandwidth to have uh, the lawyers, they do the proposals to uh, get the agreements in place. They'll have a billing situation set up. So there's parts of that infrastructure they have in place that when you start out as an independent consultant, it takes you time to put that together. Okay. Fine. Okay. So you started out by sub subcontracting out to, to, to one of the larger consultancies. Yes. So they're essentially taking on the projects, winning the projects, and then mm -hmm. they employ you. Um, yes. How does that employment relationship work? Well, it's usually that there's two different models now. Um, the the typical model is you come in as a contractor to them. So you're a 1099. So you have to prove you're an LLC. You have to prove uh, you have your proper business insurance, stuff like that. And um, But you work for them and they work for the client. Uh, I always saw it as the client was also mine in the sense of taking pride and ownership of the work I was doing for them. Mm -hmm. uh, there's the other model that's coming up now where you end up becoming a W-2 employee for them, uh, which has some benefits as well to where you actually get benefits. You get health insurance, stuff like that. Um, those are starting to pop up, particularly in certain states where uh, there's strict rules on 1099 employees. But typically, right. the still rule is the 1099, which helps because now... I can still subcontract myself out to these larger firms for these big jobs in the big pharma where for the, but I can still go out and get my little mom and pop pharma and med device company projects. Yeah. Okay. So you started out by subcontracting out using the big, and how did that, how did that evolve? Uh, well, what happened was, is that it helped me build up my customer service skills because that's one okay. of the key skills you need, uh, particularly if you've, been sitting at a desk and been working, you know, you had a boss, you had employees working for you if you were a manager, and your job was to just crank things out every day. Uh, now it's, you know, you got to make the customer happy. Now, again, making the customer happy in this case is keeping them out of trouble with the FDA, keeping, having limited 483s, uh, working with them to make sure you're not building a quality system that is not so overly cumbersome that they now have to double their work staff either. Mm. 
So that, and, and then from there, you end up building those relationships to where when those people leave those companies and they decide, I want to do a startup, I want to go to a smaller firm, they remember you from the work you did and you end up connecting with them via social media, LinkedIn, uh, phone calls, emails, that kind of stuff to where you can end up starting create your own client base. Okay. So when you first starting out, did you go, was it as simple as just, um, you know, going on LinkedIn and, and connecting with people and, and messaging people? Like what did that, how did you win clients? I, or, or did you use, you know, did you, I know you use the, the, the large um, subcontracting firms, but, you know, from a personal perspective to, to prolong your contracting career, what did you do? I, LinkedIn is a big help. Uh, I've been using it a lot more lately. Um, I'm pretty much an introvert, so it took a lot of effort for me to put myself out there on social media and put myself out there in larger forms. Typically, it was those one-to-one relationships that I had gathered before where I'd gotten email addresses and we would chat or maybe have a lunch here or there because uh, I'm much better one-on-one with people, maybe two people and myself. Uh, but in the last year or so, I've been working with a business coach and decided I had a lot more knowledge to share. So I started uh, doing the circuit, doing presentations, uh, going to events where I'm sharing my my thoughts and my expertise on particular parts of the quality system. And then from there, feeling more comfortable going on LinkedIn and posting my thoughts. Because at first I was like, why, mm. why does anyone, if they want my opinion, they can ask me because I don't want to just share just to share. But uh, it's bigger than that. It's you got to kind of put yourself out there so people know you exist. That was a hard thing for me. And so now I'm posting daily on LinkedIn and people are now coming to me saying, I like these thoughts. I'm having issues in the same area. Can you help me? So it's driving people, Ooh. companies to my website, uh, to me personally to say, hey, how can I need help? How could you help me? Yeah. Wow. So you're now generating inbound yes. um, inbound leads that are clients that are reaching out to you and saying, yes. "Hey, can you can you help me with this particular mm-hmm. project?" Yes. Okay. Fine. And are there any particular other tactics or, or practical advice you'd say to um, people starting out about um, building their their network? Uh, volunteering uh, and, winning, and, and winning roles. Volunteering. Okay at um, some of these organizations you belong to, such as uh, ASQ, PDA, ISPE, they all have these subgroups within them. uh, And they're always looking for volunteers to not just do presentations, but to help review uh, new FDA governances, to provide feedback to the FDA or Health Canada. And getting on those teams, and again, as long as you have the, you have to make the time, but as long as you have that expertise to share, it creates another little community for you. And it's something else to put on your resume, put on LinkedIn to say, hey, I contributed to this new FDA guidance. I contributed to this. So it, it kind of helps build up that, for lack of a better term, content to say, yeah. yes, you're now considered a thought leader in the industry. Yeah. Fine. So from what I gather, it's a lot about, 
you know, continuously building your network and looking for new ways to expand your um, your, your network, your outreach um, to to people that would benefit from your services. Um, yes. Utilizing the communities that you're in, your LinkedIn network, um, previous clients. Um, yeah. Do you ever use? Yeah, sorry, go on. I mean, and the other thing too is uh, don't forget about other consultants. I, while there is a competition piece there, but not all of us do the same type of work. For example, yeah. I've set up uh, kind of an informal referral process with a couple other consultants. Uh, there's a consulting firm out west that develops programs for autoclaves and isolators, uh, but they don't have the expertise in helping a company identify what's going wrong. So they refer me for when there's an issue with, um, there's a contaminant. You know, how do I, how do they work through that deviation to get to that understanding? And when I have clients who need an autoclave, need an isolator, I suggest them to go talk to them about trying to get that piece of equipment and get it programmed. So there yeah. are ways to use each other as consultants to help you get work. Yeah, that's a really good point. Just you know, networking within your own consultant yeah. peer peer group, um, and then utilizing referrals. Um, and and you touched on this earlier. What um, with you know when when the market is in a difficult for a difficult period of time. Um, I suppose a lot of people this year have been without either full time mm -hmm. roles or. or or having long gaps between contracts, what advice would you give to to people? You you mentioned a, a, a bit of what you do earlier, but I think it's really important for people to to know that sometimes you know these things you've got to be prepared for, for slowdowns right. in market, and you've got to be prepared when you're going into contracting that this might happen. Yeah, well, it's going to happen. I mean, it's just kind of how it is, and uh, sometimes it's a relief, particularly when you've done so much work and you've been practically working 24 seven to where it's nice to get a month or two off. However, uh, this past year has been a lot more than a month or two off for some of us. So I've been personally using the time to kind of regroup myself uh, and build on my own skills and using it an opportunity to build out more content. Cause that's one of the things that tends to fall behind when you have a bunch of clients, a bunch of work coming at you it's hard to keep that pipeline going because you're not on LinkedIn. You're not talking to other people and trying to win new projects because you have so many as it is. So putting all that out there, doing your own professional and personal development is a, it, it's a great time to do that kind of stuff when it's a slowdown. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's a really good point. Um, skills wise, you mentioned customer service there. Mm -hmm. are, are there any particular skills um, that you think differ from a traditional full-time employment role um, that consultants need to be developing or need to have? Sure. Uh, flexibility is one. Uh, you have to be flexible and be able to go with the flow with the client. Uh, while you're there for a single purpose and you need to stay within that purpose, they have other things going on which is why they hired you. So, you know, I talked about the fact that there was a project where my desk moved daily and sometimes hourly. Uh, you got to be able to be able to take the deep breath and just go with it. Uh, you know, and then sometimes projects just end, even though you're not done, 
you know, there may be a budget issue. They may have to reevaluate the budget and decide, you know what, we're going to let the rest of this happen in-house. It's not, you know, it's the, it's not you, it's us type of thing. And you, you need to be okay with that. Uh, another thing is listening and asking questions. Because what you've done in industry, while is important to them, they may have a different business model. And if you've been in industry, particularly in the same company for 20 something years, you may have only seen a quality system or something done one way. Whereas doing it, you need to understand their business model to create what they need so it works for them. I mean, I've had clients in small med device, big med device, big pharma. I've had nuclear medicine. I've had OTC. I, I, I've done all these different types of projects and all of the companies have been different. How they're set up, uh, what their employee base is. Some of them have been little mom and pop startups. Some have been big companies. And so making working within their business system makes sense. And because the last thing you want to do is now create it to where now they can't work without, again, doubling their staff. Brilliant. Um, last couple of questions around, um, around this topic. I suppose a lot of people say that they like full-time employment because they feel part part of a team and part of a company journey and, and vision. And sometimes as a consultant, there's a perception that you may not, or you, you might not get that same feeling of being part of something because you're only spending three months or six months or, 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 or you know, um, whatever time period within, um, within the organization doing a set project. Um, so you might not get that same and you probably won't get that same satisfaction or sense of feeling of, of part of a um, team and a journey. Um, what what like motivates you and inspires you from um, you know from an industry perspective and and um, and keeps you I suppose enjoying and, and getting the most out of um, working as a consultant. Uh, for me, it's again doing different things. I don't like being bored. So doing the same thing every day for long periods of time is just not, not, not for me. I, I enjoy the, the, the journey of seeing them, you know, struggling and seeing as I leave that they get it. Um, and, and seeing that they can work without me. Um, in a meeting one time with the vice president, I described my, because he made a comment about our goal is to get rid of you. And he goes, I don't mean that badly because we really like you. And I said, no, I get it. I I am Mary Poppins. I mean, I literally can, can you know, compare myself to Mary Poppins where I come in when you need me. And when I'm, when you don't need me anymore, I take my umbrella and I fly away and I go to the next family or company. So, um, but it's true. I mean, that's kind of what happens. Uh, I do admit there's some projects where I've been a little sad that they ended because I truly enjoyed working with the people and working with the company. And there's some companies that have brought me back a few times uh, because they found other areas that needed my help. And they saw my value of what I did in one spot. And I was able to explain to them how I could help them in another area. And because 
there was that trust and the understanding of I wasn't going to step out of my scope. I was going to work with them, not at them, which some consultants do. Uh, there, there's some people who, when they need help, I'm they. It's like they say, I have the Kimberly phone. I just call her, and she's there for me. Yeah, yeah. No, that's it's it's um, it's something that I've. I uh, had a lot of people ask mm -hmm. me um, about going into contracting, so it's obviously a, um, a keyboard. But I think, yeah, like enjoying the enjoying the journey and and yeah. solving the problem that you've gone in to fix um, must be very, um, um, yeah, very motivating. And yeah. and it um, and and it's the role is constantly you're you're constantly learning new things and constantly doing different tasks and and, and going into different environments. So you're getting a lot of experience in a short space of time. Um, yes. And I, and I'm so. a big problem solver. I love solving problems. One of my things I loved to do as a kid uh, was solve those logic problems where you had the squares and you had to figure out who won what race first and what color shirt they were wearing and everything else. Those were one of my favorite things to do as a kid. So problem solving and understanding a complex problem, breaking it down and then fixing it is is one of the things I do enjoy doing. Great. Um, one quick fire question to end, um, and this is a difficult one to ask because there's so much advice um, that you can probably give people that are going into con con contracting. But what if there was one piece of advice to someone starting out on their journey or considering going into contracting, what would that be? Uh, your support system, making sure you have a good support system around you, uh, meaning that particularly if you're someone who um, is part of the family, meaning you you have a spouse and kids, making sure they're on board because your your role, your time at home is going to be very different. You're either going to be home all the time or you're never going to be home. Uh, and have them and have that support of you're going to have these highs, you're going to have these lows. Uh, and, and what does that mean for you? What, you know, so that I think that is very important. And that's something that um, it's different for everybody. Brilliant. Great advice, um, Kimberly. Thank you so much for joining us on the, on the show. I think there's some really good um, practical practical tips and, and advice that people starting out on their journey um, can take from that. So thank you for your time. Yep. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. Thanks, Kimberly. Thank you for listening to today's show. I hope that you got value from it, whether you're starting your career in quality or if you're at the top of your field. Today's episode was brought to you by RX Group. I'm the founder of RX Group. We are a pharma and biotech recruitment organization focusing purely on quality assurance. We recruit consultants and senior level permanent quality professionals into the pharma and biotech industry. If we can support you, whether that be in a hiring capacity or if you yourself are looking for work, please get in touch with me on LinkedIn. Visit our LinkedIn page where you can subscribe to the podcast and visit our website www.rx-group.io to find out more about us. See you soon.